If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about marriage, divorce, my family, my career. I'm also going to be talking a lot about cancer, the ups and the downs, everything that I've learned from it. It's going to be a wild ride. So listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast, helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. It's happening again. Welcome back to Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. And if you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year. Yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. So you heard me talk about Carolyn there, gang. They are the title sponsor of this show. And I'm not the type who just has a title sponsor and says, oh, let's just take the money and, and that's that. Anybody we do a sponsorship deal with, I want to make sure I believe it. I want to make sure I really understand what they're doing and that they can help me or, or help the world. So in doing this deal with Carolyn, we said, hey, let's have some people from Carolyn on so we can understand really where they can help us, what they actually do, but also where they can help us. So you know, where they're able to help all of us, we're, we're talking about the mental health approach here, but they take a whole holistic approach or a whole body approach uh, to helping people. So with that, I'm going to bring in their Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Jim Polo. How are you, Jim? Hey, I'm doing well, Jay. How are you today? Good. Doing great, man. Living the drain. Just got back from a little trip to Atlanta where I was helping out, working with some combat vets. I know you're a a combat vet as well, right? Yes, that's correct. Where'd you serve and and when? Wow. Well, I spent a total of 29 years in the Army. Wow. Uh, Deployed multiple times. Deployed in uh, Bosnia in in support of the Kosovo crisis. I deployed uh, to Honduras uh, during the Haiti crisis, and I also deployed to Iraq. Uh, for a full year in 2007. My God, that, that's quite a, a career there. And, you know, I work with a lot of, you know, veterans who transition. A lot of them, like you're the chief medical officer here, you've done great, but a lot of them struggle. They don't know how to use what they've done in the military to have it equate for their next step in life. How are you able to, yeah. to do that? Yeah, that's, you know, that is so true. I got lucky. And, and let me tell you what I mean by that. I mean, I spent my year 
my career in the army as a physician. So obviously my skills were easily translatable uh, when I left the service. Now it doesn't mean I didn't like have difficulties leaving yeah. the army and it didn't mean that I didn't have difficulties with some of my experiences, but at least from an occupational perspective, I knew where I was going to be going. But we have many young veterans, many young soldiers that have skills that are really critical for the army, but yeah. those skills aren't necessarily translatable into the civilian world. It's tough. Or if, but here's the thing. I think a lot of them, I think you can relate a lot. They just don't know how to, you know? So if you've done some wild stuff overseas, no matter what, you're good in chaos, right? Sure. If you have taken care of your brother and your sister and your right or your left, you're accountable, right? If, you know, you, you show up on time, you have structure. So there are a lot of skills that our vets have. They just don't know how to talk about it yet. And not only do you not know how to talk about it, you're told not to talk about it. You're told to keep it down, right? Don't don't say anything. When everybody else is lying on their resume, you guys go the other way and really minimize it and and don't talk about it at all. You know, that's that attitude of wanting to be strong and really being able to handle anything and everything. Now, I'd be honest to tell you that the, you know, the the service leadership for all of the services, Army, Air Force, Navy, I mean, they're trying to combat that. They, yeah. they're, they're trying to really fight against that idea that everybody has to be strong and you can never have a problem and you cannot be defective. But that's still hard to get through to folks because, you know, when you're in the service, yeah. people are counting on you for yeah. important stuff and you've got to be strong to be able to handle that. And so sometimes when folks can't, they, they don't want to come forward. Well, again, so now you're in a position where you could really help people out and, and get people obviously to talk a lot uh, about mental health. And open up more about mental health, which was, again, the opposite of what we're talking about in the military. If, you know, keep it in, you're hurt, you don't show it. And look, I'm to blame when I train my fighters and football players. Man, don't ever show you're hurt. Don't ever show you're tired. And now me in, in talking about mental health, I'm like, no, let's let's go complete 180 or show it all. And, you know, be as vulnerable as you can and, and uh, talk about it. the more we can talk about it, the more it's going to help us. How hard was that for you to kind of grasp and wrap your head around to change? Uh, you approach things, and where are you now? With yeah, that 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 was hard. You know, I'll tell you a story. I'll just tell you a story that maybe that will outline it a lot better than than me. You know, describing it. I spent most of 2007, part of 2006, in in Iraq, and I was in Mosul, um, right near the airbase where the hospital was, and we were getting shelled for about four months. Every day, every other day, there might be two, three days where we weren't getting shelled. And, and luckily, the, the, you know, the insurgents that were shelling us were really, they were bad. They, they, they couldn't aim well. They had, they had uh, you know, defective mortars. So it wasn't really causing a lot of damage. But there was this constant, like, booming in the background that was erratic. You never know when it was going to come next, sometimes in the middle of the night. One time. We did have a shelling that actually landed very near the hospital. We had a couple of folks that were injured with shrapnel. Luckily, no one died. Okay. Now, I had a mission every day. I was focused on the work I needed to do, you know, managing a hospital, you know, flying all over the, the sector that I was in charge of. And that experience kind of just went into the background. When I got back afterwards, I was irritable. I was frustrated. I would find myself wanting to do things quickly without realizing why I wanted to do them quickly. And one of the things that was most disturbing to me was I became very reactive to any loud noise. Slam door, a drop book, I would just like shake. And I was in meetings where 
where this would happen and I would be like kind of embarrassed. Okay. And it wasn't going away. And I finally had to reach out to somebody myself. I'm a psychiatrist. I had to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I'm having some struggles here. I'm not really sure what it is. And I don't think I have PTSD because I'm too strong for that. And truth be told, I don't think I had anything that was major in terms of saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got PTSD and I'm unable to work. But I was struggling for a long period of time, impacting my relationships, particularly with my wife. And I really had to kind of face it. And, and deal with it. And, and first of all, just accept the fact that I was as vulnerable as anybody else. Didn't have anything to do with strength. Didn't have anything to do with knowledge. It's just that experience that was overwhelming. And of course, as a commander on the battlefield, I couldn't show that ever in front of my, right. my soldiers. Right. And so it came out afterwards. Hmm. So now, like I said, you're 29 years there, and now you're the, the chief medical officer here at, at Carolyn. Tell me, you guys do a, a whole person approach. We, we talk a lot about mental health here, right? What's yeah. whole person? Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all. And for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisper on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. You probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you to talk about why I feel that cancer to a certain extent is a gift, what my responsibilities are as a person with cancer, because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. 
and maybe together we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So whole person really means looking at the individual, considering both their physical health and their emotional, mental well-being all together. So I'll just give you a very simple example. Cancer. If you have cancer, you clearly have a physical you know, disease that is potentially going to hurt you. But I don't know anybody with cancer that's not also afraid and worried and anxious about what the future holds for them. So you've got to be able to treat not only their cancer, but you've got to be able to treat their anxiety of dealing with cancer. That's the holistic approach. And if you think about it, our emotions are tied to everything we face in life, every medical condition, every struggle within a relationship, every problem that we run into with finances. I mean, our emotions are never far away from where we are. So what do you guys do that's different than other companies? Well, one of the first things that we're doing is we're taking a holistic approach, first of all, when we consider how we look at the entire population. So how do we think first in terms of helping build resilience, okay? What are the things that we can do to help get people prepared for the fact that they might have difficulties in life? What are the things that we can do to screen early, find people that are struggling? And then when we do, how do we help them get to treatment sooner rather than later? You know, I'll tell you an alarming statistic. You highlighted that one in five uh, in the country right now, you know, struggle at some level with some kind of a mental health problem or diagnosis. And that doesn't mean that they're dysfunctional. It doesn't mean they can't work. It just means they're struggling and help would help them. Here's another statistic for you. The average delay for folks that have a serious mental illness to diagnosis in this country is about 10 years. And in fact, yeah. 70% of all people that have a chronic mental illness, it started in childhood. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Childhood trauma is real. And you know, the, the effect that we have as kids, and if you're not you know, abused or something, things happen when we're growing up that affects us that nowadays, I think, listen, I think nowadays those things affect us more than they ever did. And, you know, with social media out there, I, I just did a, a talk in front of 75 or 74 clinicians like yourself uh -huh. and then me. Okay? So I, I say, listen, everybody here is qualified to talk about mental health. You're qualified to talk about it because you're schooling. I'm qualified to talk about it because of my suffering. But the difference is a lot of the schooling everybody went through, they went through it before the cell phones were a thing and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and Twitter. And that has just affected our mental health in such a huge, huge way. Where have you seen, look, we're saying one in five. I think it's four and five. I think it's way higher than that. So, you know, it's interesting that the pandemic brought that out a little bit. I mean, when we say one in five, 20% of the population suffers from some kind of an emotional ongoing problem. Right. That statistic actually has held for a long time. That, you that, know, that's, that's, who, that's who admits it. The problem is that people don't admit it. Correct. Right. So what happened during the pandemic, uh, and this was partly done from a, uh, the work from the Kaiser Family Foundation, 50% of the individuals of adults were reporting struggling with their emotions, struggling with their with their feelings, struggling with what was going on. And they were validated in a way that they were interviewed where that 50% was technically potentially diagnosable. So much higher than our traditional, you know, one in five. Um, I think what's important to say is that when folks are struggling, it doesn't mean they're crazy. It doesn't mean they're dysfunctional. It means that they have something that's weighing on them that's affecting their day-to-day -day existence. And I think in the past, we're able to 
you deal with that a lot better. You know, it wasn't it wasn't kind of thrown in your face if you weren't looking at everybody else and seeing their filtered fraction of a second online, having a thrown in your face, thinking, "Man, I'm just not doing well enough compared to everybody else." Or or the well, we see on Twitter, you know. So Jay, you're pointing out something that's really critical, uh, and I worry about the younger generation. Yes. I mean, their whole lives are on on display. Yes. You know, you know, before social media took over, and before you could have instant, you know, everything, instant messaging, instant pictures, instant conversations. Uh, at least if you were struggling, there was some semblance of you could control the audience for that, so to speak. Okay, and with social media these days, it's all out there. And while social connections can be positive through social media, it doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have an impact sometimes when it when it doesn't go well for folks. Also, in the past, if something you had a bad day, you can go home and shake it off. There's no going home and shaking it off anymore because everyone's at your home on Twitter or on Instagram, right? So it's like, you know, look, when we got our butts kicked in the playground growing up. It sucked for a month. Right. But, right. That was terrible for a month. But now we're... We're getting our butts kicked a thousand times a second. There's no uh, getting away from it. I think of young kids that are bullied at school, oh. and then they go home and they're cyberbullied online. Hell, I'm cyberbullied online. Not just them. It's, it's all of us. Yeah, but you can handle it. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. Not so much. Hey, my wallet's not an antidepressant. I get sensitive <laughs> to these things. So here's the other thing. We're, we're talking about how many people need this help, but dudes... Doc, that's where we need the help. Like men, like and we're talking about one in five, and that's the people who said it, right? But I, I was surprised when I wrote my book, Unbreakable. I thought it was going to be all the dudes were going to get it because it was football and fighting, mixed martial arts and ballers and all that. But it was like predominantly women because they're the vulnerable ones. They're the ones, oh, yeah, okay. I have, I have this too. I can use this for some help. I could use the words he's giving us as a guide to help my husband or my son or my kids or myself where dudes – Still act like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need this. Yeah. It's interesting because there are gender differences between men and women. You know, men are socialized to believe they should be strong. And furthermore, they should be taking care of whatever's in front of them. It's a lot harder sometimes for men to admit, I'm struggling. Yeah. I I'm not happy. I'm depressed. That That's a hard thing to really admit, not only to yourself, but definitely to other people outside. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than what to do when faced with an Alzheimer's diagnosis. My name is Dana Torito, and my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, takes a closer look at Alzheimer's disease and those affected by it. Like many of you, I've experienced the disease firsthand. I've been an advocate and care partner for decades and have written extensively about the subject. Each week, I'll talk to people who've been personally affected by the disease and learn how they coped with it. Folks like TV personality Lisa Gibbons. Action is the antidote for fear. And nurse and dementia researcher Dr. Fayron Epps. We no longer can be silent. We have to speak up. We have to share our experiences so we can help each other and learn from each other. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. 
And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. You may know me from, let's see, 90210, Charmed, Mallrats, Heathers. Probably also know me from my stage four cancer diagnosis and sharing that journey with so many of you. There's something so authentic about a podcast. It's me connecting, me talking raw in the moment. That's what my goal is to give you to talk about why I feel that cancer to a certain extent is a gift, what my responsibilities are as a person with cancer, because I think that there's something so much bigger than me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to find out what that is. And maybe together we'll find it. It's going to be a wild ride. So I hope that you all tune in. Listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, let me listen. I, I don't know if I was shocked. I mean, it probably was. But when I started opening up to my friends about this, about depression and anxiety, just really opening up like, man, the beast got out of the box tonight. I can't go to dinner. What? Every one of my friends has jumped aboard like, hey, we got you. We, we got you. Like, it's made me closer to my friends, not pushed them away. Nobody said, oh, stop, Jay, enough. Like, And, and that's probably been the biggest lesson I could learn and also give to people like, no one's going to push you away. They want to help you. Give us some lessons that you could impart in the world there to, to help deal with their mental health. You know, one of the things that I think is really important, and it's, it relates to exactly what you, you just said, you shared your story and people rallied around you. When we're struggling and we don't share it with other people, we're struggling alone. We're suffering in silence. It's tempting to believe that we're the only ones. You talk to somebody, you share a little bit about what's going on. First of all, they're there. They're with you. They understand more often than not, you find out you're not the only one. Hey, I've struggled too. Hey, I'm struggling right now as well. And suddenly you don't feel so alone and just unburdening yourself of getting some of that stuff out there. It's not like you need a solution. You just need somebody to understand and validate that, yeah, you're struggling. Now, what can we do to help? Okay. So just getting it out is the first step to being able to get better, but that's the hardest step for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. You, you guys also deal with a lot with people who are going through uh, substance abuse issues. Yes. Has, and it's always obviously been there. Do you see a difference before and after COVID? Or is it just been a constant? So, you know, it's very interesting. Studies have been done about this. Anytime we have any kind of a disaster, there's always an uptick uh, of substance use. And, you know, one of the things about substance is it's it's cheap and easy to get. In fact, during the pandemic, delivered right to your door by, you know, Amazon. So- 
you know, well, you, well, you can, well, I don't know about that. We... <laughs> so, 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 you know, the, the, what, the way I look at it is remember when people are using substances of any kind where it's problematic for them, they're usually doing it for one of two reasons. They're feeling something that they don't want to feel, or they're not feeling something that they do want to feel. And that's what the substance does for them. Unfortunately, there's a consequence if, if you misuse, you know, and there's a consequence if you get addicted. Uh, but typically what we see after disasters is months down the line, we see an uptick of not only use, but of people that are having significant difficulties with addiction. And you guys provide services with that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the field of behavioral health, that generally includes all of those things that we refer to as mental health, depression, anxiety, and so forth. And then all of those things related to substance use. So, you know, the other reason I'm trying to do this podcast, to obviously help the world, help, help give words to mental health so we can have this conversation. You know, we say mental health, but really who gives it words, right? We need to have the words to talk to our, our friends, and our therapists, and our, our sons and daughters and parents and coworkers and, and everybody. But the other reason I'm doing this is the suicide rate in this country is just alarming, man. It's just not okay. Where are we yeah. gone, right? And it's, yeah. and it's, it's almost this power suggestion now where everybody, and I think it happens in the military too, with, you know, 22 vets a day kill themselves that it's just not okay. People are in so much pain and then they see somebody else kill themselves and they go, wow, everybody's coming out. They're loving Johnny. They're missing Johnny. Well, I'm in so much pain. I want to get love too. I'm going to do the same thing. And it's just become such a, an epidemic of, I think, different proportions than, than it's ever been. Yeah, it's the what? second leading cause of death in young in young Americans today. Really? Yeah. Suicide is something that's always been with us, and we haven't always paid attention to it. Suicide is ultimately, it's an escape. And when people are suffering, and they're not thinking well, and they just want to get out of pain, sometimes death seems attractive. And that's when they can sometimes lead to to an event that will, will lead to suicide. And the challenge is, it's a very permanent solution, usually to a problem that really isn't. But you don't know that in the moment because you're not really thinking clearly. So we've got to do a better job of helping people off the edge so that they're not at that crisis point where that seems like the only alternative for them. Yeah. It's really difficult. I have a guy named Kevin Hines on this show who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> and survived. But he said, the moment I jumped, and he said, there were other survivors, every one of them said, the moment they jumped, they immediately regretted it. There's no take backs though, you know? And so, so I have never, never, never had a patient that attempted, and I've had many that have, that have said, oh, I wish I would have succeeded. They've always had some semblance of regret. Ironically, I've had some that have tried a second time later on, and they've come back to say, yeah, what happened to me? I didn't get it the second time either. So we don't always know what's going on in the moment, but we have to help create systems of care that help get people away from those moments of, of impulsivity. I, I try and tell people, listen, you got to lean into your, your teammates, whether that's your literal teammate or your friend or family, because there's not enough therapists for us yet. We all need therapists. And you know, like mental health is so reactive. We usually go to therapists when the sky is falling. And we need to start doing it like physical health, where, man, you bench press all the time. You run four days if you're not there, all the time, right? You throw a jab all the time if you're a boxer. And you know, if you break your arm, you get a cast on, everybody signs it. You brag about those stars, right? But mental health is only man when the sky is falling. Do we go to the therapist? And I'm like, we got to do it constantly. But I don't know if there's enough therapists yet. 
How much has Carolyn changed? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just got to say there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying. You know, the reality is when it comes to our physical bodies, we recognize, hey, I got to build up. I got to go through a little bit of pain so that my body is stronger so I can, you know, handle whatever's in front of me. It's the same thing emotionally. It's the same thing. There are ways that we can build resilience, emotional resilience, knowing full well you're in a struggle with things. You know, the three most common things that people struggle with. A relationship problem, difficulties with money, or problems with a job or not having a job. Right. So you can almost bank on the fact that you're going to have one of those at some point, and maybe two or three of them. Two or three, right. So are there ways that we can help people build resilience before they have those problems so that they're able to withstand them a little bit better and bounce back from them? Yes, I believe there are ways. And technology is one of the ways that we're moving in that direction. There's all kinds of apps, all kinds of, uh, of solutions that are coming to market uh, by startup companies that are trying to help folks really engage in taking care of themselves, building resilience so they can just face the natural struggles that face all of us every day. And listen, that, this is why I like partnering with you guys, because like I said, we need more therapists out there. We need more people who are able to be there for those who need the help, but not just when the sky's falling, right? Right. Constantly. And as you say also, hey, if something's going on physically with you, to deal with between the ears. And again, I bring it back to sports. I just told these teams all the time, their trainers and coaches, listen, if somebody in your in your team is injured, they can't play that week, don't just say, hey, how you doing? Or just like, really, they're not doing good. <laughs> they're not doing well at all between the ears. Like, really see how they're doing. Like, take care, figure out how you can build them up while they're sitting on the sidelines because it's lonely when the physical part is hurting. So I, I, I'm proud to to partner with you guys in this and, and walk in this walk together. Because, man, our, like I said, I'm trying to save lives. I'm trying to get it to be okay for us to talk about this. I'm trying to give it words. But also, I'm not the expert in this. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm just a dude who's messed up, who's good with his messed upness, who has a big mouth. So I'm, I'm proud to be partnered with what you guys were able to do. In the, at least, you know, give people aware, aware to go. Yeah. And frankly, it's voices like yours that actually bring it to life for everyday people. The ability to speak openly, sharing your own difficulties without any kind of shame, uh, because we all struggle. We all struggle. Uh, you know, I, I, I just give you a, a quick story. Um, I, I, prior to the pandemic, and now it's coming back, I used to do a lot of speaking. I'd be in large audiences, you know, where I would be talking about behavioral health, and I'd ask the audience, raise your hand if you have a mental health problem. Nobody would raise their hand. And I would say, if you have a friend or somebody you know that <laughs> having a problem, raise your hand. All the hands would go up. <laughs> the friend, right. Quote a, with quotation marks. Okay, right. so all those people that are struggling are not in the room. <laughs> so, so <you> know, <laughs> it's just something about the fact that people are afraid to kind of say, yeah, I struggle with this. We don't have any problem telling somebody, yeah, I sprained my leg. I'm going to, you know, walk yeah. a little slower today, you know. Absolutely. Hey, Doc, I, I really appreciate uh, a your service. B, you're joining me today. You know, I always say let's let's walk this walk together. And man, there's a lot of room for us to walk this walk together and help a lot of people together. I really appreciate absolutely, that. Jay. And we're gonna walk with you. Thanks. Appreciate it so much. Fear of the unknown is the greatest fear of all, and for millions of Americans, there is no greater unknown than Alzheimer's disease. I'm Dana Torito, a writer and Alzheimer's advocate. On my podcast, The Memory Whisperer, I strive to calm your fears about the disease through thoughtful conversations with experts, care partners, and more. Action 
is the antidote for fear. Listen to The Memory Whisperer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Shannon Doherty, host of the new podcast, Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty. So in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about marriage, divorce, my family, my career. I'm also going to be talking a lot about cancer, the ups and the downs, everything that I've learned from it. It's going to be a wild ride. So listen to Let's Be Clear with Shannon Doherty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 